Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I'm happy to have with me today my good friend, uh, Alexander Hinman, uh, you know, D&D GM to the stars, uh, <laughs> metallurgist, uh, author, or co- co-editor of a book of um, Gulf War... Uh, did I get this right? Gulf War oral histories. Yes, it's uh, it's it's called uh, Desert Voices, and it was put out by the Marine Corps History Division. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, that's great. That sounds actually super interesting. Uh, I should read it. Um, I don't mean that just like actually in passing. I I do mean I should probably just go read that. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, also my the my friend who probably knows the most about uh the uh the medieval period uh, who has who has corrected me many times about uh my own misconceptions about that not so dark time as it turns out uh yeah i mean it's it's sort of there there's there's medievalism in media uh which is a a different you know sort of it's a rhetorical concept rather than an actual uh historical you know a, hist- a accurate historical uh retelling or anything like that right um well so there are no white walkers there are no about. white walkers, and uh, there are black people. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to have to rethink everything I learned from Game of Thrones. Well, I know one of the things I'll ask you in the bonus questions then, but um, you're here not to talk with us about uh, medievalism, although I'm sure we could do a huge thing on Mountain Blade or something like that. Um, well, uh, actually, what got me into medieval history was uh, Lords of the Realm 2, an old Sierra game back in the 90s. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I know it. Uh, but there anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, please. That's the whole podcast. Um, we're here to talk about Red Alert 2, or just the Red Alert series, I guess, because initially we were going to talk about Red Alert 2, and it kind of branched out into this sort of, I don't know, in a lot of ways, like a passion project for you researching the the various uh, iterations of this game. Well, um, I, I mean, Red Alert 2 is is the one I've really played the most and have and have by far the most interest in, uh, at least to talk about. Uh, but to give some context for anybody who might not be familiar with it, uh, Red Alert 2 was put out by Westwood Studios, who is probably more famous for the Command & Conquer series. And indeed, Red Alert and Red Alert 2 are both under the Command & Conquer sort of umbrella. Right. Um, right. But they're real-time strategy games, uh, and Red Alert and Red Alert 2 don't really share any plot elements. Uh, they sort of follow from different worlds, except the core premise that um, in like 1970-something, I think, uh, Albert Einstein went back in time and erased Hitler from time. Um, yeah. And, Seems plausible. I mean. <laughs> and so the Second World War still happened, but in Red Alert 1, um, it was uh, Stalin invading Western Europe, and that had its own... like the. the the plot from that branched off completely and involved one of the main characters from the Command and Conquer series. Um, but Red Alert 2 basically has that backdrop of uh, of the Second World War being Soviets versus everyone else. Um, well, not everyone else, but, you know, sure. the Western nations and all that. Um, all the popular countries. Yeah. Uh, but in the aftermath of... Uh, it's, it's, this is all... I'm taking all of this from implication. Uh, more or less, but You're telling me there's not a worked out lore. Uh, not up until the start of the story, really, or up until the start of okay. the first cutscene. Um, besides, like I said, Hitler disappearing. Um, so what? What it? What it? What that means is, 
the the cutscenes in Riddler 2 are very important for what story there is. And honestly, I think the cutscenes in all Westwood games are something of a treasure, really. <laughs> they're not they're not good, uh, yeah. but it is their hamminess that makes them wonderful. Well, they're they're AM they're AMVs, right? They're not AMVs of FMVs. FMVs. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are, and um, and they're all directed very interestingly uh, in all of the Command and Conquer games up until Westwood Stu- in all, or all of the Westwood Studios games up until Westwood Studios was liquidated by EA in 2003. They're all directed by the same guy, Joseph Kukin, who also uh, was Kane, uh, who was the main villain in. The Command and Conquer games. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he acts that part as well. And so he brings... Having having such an intimate contact with, you know, the the, the frame... You know, how, how the actors are supposed to work and all that sort of thing. In addition to being the story writer or the, the director for these games overall... Um, gives them all a similar, a similar sort of flow and a similar, you know, all the shooting is very flat and all this other sort of thing. Um, it's 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 cheap, you know, uh, video game cinematography, um, but they they do make some interesting decisions in uh, in the first Command and Conquer game. I think um, uh, James Earl Jones is one of the actors. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and in Red Alert 2, uh, Ray Weiss, who is Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks, uh, plays sort of the surrogate surrogate Bill Clinton, uh, and <laughs> Udo Kier from Blade, a number of other you know B movies, uh, yeah. is in there, uh, and also Barry Corbin from uh, Northern Exposure. Uh, he was more. I was just watching something with Barry Corbin in it, actually. I like him a yeah, lot. He's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's still alive, which surprised me. I think. Um, mm. And and there's a there's a number of other uh, B actors. And honestly, the the one who sort of really steals the show uh, is is Nicholas Worth, who is just a bit actor, really, but he plays uh, the Soviet premier, and his Russian accent is absolutely outrageous. Um, but he, he rolls his R's and all others, all sorts of other weird things. Uh, but he's a lot of fun, uh, to listen to. And I, I love, uh, so I, I, uh, grew up in the Russian Orthodox church and I had a, a Belarusian, uh, priest who would, who would pronounce Connecticut as Connecticut. And so the way, (laughs) and at one point, uh, the premier says, uh, he will direct you from his comienship. <laughs> and it sounds just like it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's just it's just hilarious. Um, that's funny. Yeah, but uh, man, that must have sounded so bad to you uh, like, since you had heard Russian accents. It 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 does and it doesn't. I mean, it's honestly better than like a lot of them out there. I mean, it's it's better mm. it's better than fucking Sean Connery's. I'll tell you that much. Dang. Uh, Shots fired about Sean Connery well, did, on this podcast. Well, he he in Hunt for Red October he doesn't even put on an accent. <laughs> he's he's that's true. Everybody else does except for him because he doesn't want to fu- get fucking bothered with it. Uh, anyway, uh, so Red Alert Two is really what I wanted to talk about because it was a game that was released in 2000 and it's and it's um, it's uh, expansion Yuri's Revenge. Uh, 
takes place or uh, it was released in 2001 and so it, it takes it, it, it occupies this very interesting space in American political thought because it's all right before 9/11 um, and so you know the president of America is a is a Bill Clinton surrogate and in the in the very opening shot uh, he he is seen dictating to somebody who looks an awful lot like Monica Lewinsky uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the there's a lot of other things uh, that they that they sort of do, you know, to 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 make it feel like even though you know technically this is supposed to take place in I don't know the 70s or something, because Einstein is still alive, uh, although I think he died in the 50s. But for, well, in the real world, yeah, but in yeah. this world, he lived to the 70s. Yeah, something right? like that. Um, but uh, the the opening the opening scene is really interesting uh, because. Basically, the the Soviets have decided to launch a surprise invasion of the U.S. using uh, giant battleships that shoot missiles and armored zeppelins. Uh, also, okay. also they're invading through through Soviet Mexico. They call they call things that are communist Soviets. So. Um, oh, cool. Well, that's that's how it was. Yeah, that's how it was. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so so yes and and there's there's all this you know um oh and also all the american uh missiles were were blown up in their silos by basically a psychic thing um it's 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 I not mean, really worth delving into that much for that outside of the psychic quality and the the actual type of weapons this is basically the plot to um red dawn red dawn isn't it sort of yeah um I mean, the plot of Red Dawn focus, and I'm sure there's references to Red Dawn in there because at one point uh, you you actually there is a mission in Colorado Springs. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, and you know, because uh, Red Dawn takes place in Colorado. Uh, right. Yeah. So, and and there's a lot of movie references actually spread throughout the games, uh, like in in Yuri's Revenge. Um, you actually fight uh, in Hollywood, and you you can use basically action heroes as 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 actual units. So they have a they have a they have a Rambo guy, they have a uh, Terminator guy. You know, it's 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 all it's you know. Nice. Yeah, they don't explicitly call them that for reason for obvious reasons, but yeah, it's 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 cute. Oh, what reasons could those be? It's it, it's it's really cute though. Oh, another thing they did as far as copyright goes is they changed the Eiffel Tower in one mission to the Paris Tower, and it has three legs instead of four and that sort of thing. Um, wow. Yeah. So copyright infringement on the Eiffel Tower. Oh yeah, I, I think I, I think that's what the reason was. Um, and in that mission, uh, you 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 have these Tesla technology is sort of big now, uh, or big in the game you know setting. Uh, and so you use guys who basically have big rubber suits and like armor uh, and shoot electricity out of their hands to charge up the Eiffel Tower and turn it into basically a giant Tesla coil, yes. which doesn't make any sense, but it's it's hilarious. It's No, it's... no, it does, because Tesla made the Eiffel Tower, right? Like, that's... Sure. <laughs> if that's, why, if that's what not? you want, he sure did. Um, <laughs> it's, it's what I want. All right. Um, but, yeah, so there's there's a real... There, there's a, there's a, a lot more of a sort of sincere and goofy sense of humor to Red Alert 2. Um then Red Alert 1, and any really any of the other uh, games that Westwood has produced, in my opinion. 
Um, hmm. And, you know, once the property devolved to EA, um, they basically just fucked it up constantly. I mean, it, it, uh, Command & Conquer 3 is terrible, um, although they brought back uh, Joseph Kukin to, to continue acting as Kane even though he he no longer had creative control of the project, which must That's have been so you know brutal. Yeah, that must have been harsh. But um, but yeah. So uh, and Red Alert Red Alert Three was also just a terrible game. Um, I mean, I, I I hardly played it. I played it at a friend's house once, and I was just it was just miserable. So I didn't pick it up. But it's a uh, shame. Yeah, just thing i mean it was just it was just badly designed and um i don't remember the, all the details but r- roughly i remember you know the, the the bases were right right next to each other so there was no real strategic movement and all this other sort of shit but well, anyway it, it's funny that you say like because i was looking at screenshots of these games kind of reminding myself of it because in some ways like so i didn't get a chance to play through these games and i knew early on like when we were talking that i wouldn't get a chance to play through them to give them justice because you were you you spent a lot of time playing through them uh, again, which I appreciate your commitment to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but um, I remember, I, I also thought it might be valuable just to our different uh, experiences of the games because I didn't ever, like, I never played these games when I was a kid because I never mm-hmm. had, like, a good enough PC. Um, mm-hmm. I was mostly a console player. And with Red Alert, what I remember is I had a friend who had Red Alert too, and I would see him play it sometimes or his brother play it sometimes or whatever. Um, now, I was looking at some screenshots of the games, and Red Alert 1 really does kind of look... I mean, it looks fun, but it looks kind of, like, uh, right. functional. And Red Alert 2 has this really, like... It's not a lot different, uh, mm-hmm. but even the styles of the bases and stuff seem more fun, seem more engaging. Like, it just seems like a more, I don't know, personality-driven world. Um, it, it is. It really is. Um, and, I mean, you know, part of that is that it was made later, but, but there is a kind of, um, like anodyne quality to the earlier games um i hope i'm using that word right uh <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's just sort of um uh it, it's it is very personality driven and part of that part of that personality comes through in how um how the game progresses depending on which side you're playing mm-hmm. um and it's really it's really interesting because uh, the the premiere of the Soviet Union in in the story and and you know after the first after the Second World War in the game you know which was Soviets versus versus the West um, the the current premiere uh, of the Soviet Union was actually installed by the current president of the United States. Uh, That's weird. And well, yeah. And what's also well because the the the, the U.S. won, yeah, yeah, sure. the U.S. won, so it had you know Mac, uh, total control more or less. But it let um, it, it, they let the USSR stay Soviet. Stay yeah, that is weird. That is that odd. Is weird. Yeah. Well, I think I think, and this is this is sort of one of the more interesting things about the game. I think that's actually a uh, comment on the U.S. policy of you know propping up tin pot dictators. Mm. Uh, because in in the opening scene, uh, he he uh, the so the the premier of the Soviet Union is for some reason a Romanov. Um, I guess because he thought it would make him more conservative. I don't know. Are but, there any Romanovs um, left? 
Weren't they uh, all wiped he, out? There, I, I'm sure there are like some distant Romanovs, but n- not <laughs> some, not really. No, some like um, some like bargain bin Romanovs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ones that you know gave up their name for some other title or something like that. No, no one wants Long these ago. Romanovs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but in any case, uh, he the 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 Romanov guy, uh, the the premier mentions you know we Romanovs have our legacy to consider, which is which is actually quite astute because it mimics Russian feeling. Um, of the time. I mean, you know, R- Russia after the end of the Cold War was completely humiliated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the economy, you know, through through the influence of the United States as well, uh, com- you know, completely collapsed and was overcome with, you know, crime and corruption and all this other sort of thing. Right. Um, so there, the. The, the idea, the core idea behind that is, you know, not 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 wrong, um, hmm. but it also introduces a sort of, um, I guess, uh, a kind of like behind the thrones. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, what what you'd call uh, court politics involved in the Soviet side. So if you play the Soviet campaign, um, basically, uh, it's it's. The, the the premier has an advisor who's a, who's a, who's a psychic Yuri, who and I think his name is referenced to Uri Geller, but that's just a guess. Um, I would bet played, so. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's Udo Kier's character. Okay. Uh, and he is he is basically depicted as the real source of this of this newfound aggression, uh, in the premier, uh, because he was you know docile initially and then. Uh, you know, the psychic influence starts coming over him, I guess. And th- this this does this does develop over over the course of the game. Like Yuri, Yuri, uh, Yuri kills uh, General Rom- or uh, Premier Romanov and and blames it on this other general who uh, you interact with sometimes. Hmm. Um, and and he has this video of of you know Premier Romanov saying no General Vladimir, and you know so it's it's. The implication, and there's also a video that heavily implies, or that basically tells you that Yuri has been controlling him, uh, and heavily implies that he he was the sort of source of the of the war, but also that you know the that all, but also that the resentment was real. Mm, right. Um, so, uh, and and the use of psychic technology by the Soviets gets into something that you were sort of saying earlier, and which I which I think is 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 quite correct which is that um i say earlier before we before the podcast uh <laughs> it's like oh did i say something correct in the podcast that's, that's uh, a first uh which is that um you know there's this there's this idea of sort of creeping communism mm-hmm. um that you know is, is sort of sort of can change the personality of you know anyone you know in an instant and all this other sort of thing. Like it's it's not it's not of uh, you could say uh, natural origin. It's almost of supernatural origin. How it can how it can you know infect someone's mind. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And I think like what's what's so interesting about the game that you're describing is that there's something like there's something more descriptive about the relationship between America and the USSR in the Cold War in that sort of version as opposed to like. Oh, Stalin's attacking the West, which is just like sort yeah. of like a, a clear kind of red baity sort of thing. Like, oh, you yeah. know those those dastardly communists attacked right. the Western attacked Western Europe instead of Hitler. It's just kind of right. like it's kind of like okay, it's, that's ridiculous, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not we're, we won't get into Stalin on this podcast, but 
uh, the, the I guess the point is like in this other version that discusses like that in- introduces Yuri, introduces psychic attacks, introduces these sort of like almost metaphorical powers. Like there's so much more that is revelatory in that, like this idea of creeping communism being reflected by someone's personality changing or like mm-hmm. someone you thought you, you know, someone you thought was calm suddenly becoming a radical. And it like it yeah. mirrors all these like comic books or propaganda things you see in the McCarthy era US. Right. Yeah, and and it's interesting in uh, in at least one mission. Um, well, it's sort of it's sort of impli- implied in a couple places. But you set up a sort of psychic broadcaster that controls everybody in the city at the base of the World Trade Center, which which uh, <laughs> yeah, which sort of the your your interlocutor, your sort of communications lieutenant or whatever, uh, calls a uh, a capitalist shrine, which is hilarious. That's kind of true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, it's it's. It's 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 good that they you know got it out before two thousand one. <clears throat> yeah, they didn't know and, what kind of deadline they had. Yeah, um, and I can't remember if it's if it's the victory movie for the main game or for Yuri's Revenge, but um, one of the first things that's announced is that Wall Street closes forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, whereas, whereas, and this is, this is again getting into the political moment as the allies, you're basically, you're not advancing anything. You're maintaining, you're managing an extant world order. Hmm. Um, like, and, and, and this, this also goes over into the tactical technological side, um, which very much reflects sort of the Gulf war and post Gulf war, uh, U.S. military ideology of like light footprint, high technology, um, you know, quick movement. Uh, U.S. units include uh, Harrier jets, um, which are you know one of the one of the few real-world things you find in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. units are generally faster. They also include uh, like Einstein works for for the Allies for the U.S. for you know U.S.'s allies. So um, they have. Uh, like this made-up technology that uses uh, that, that basically uses lasers. Yeah, um, sure. And uh, and and prisms and stuff. Um, but also they have time travel and like weather control. Um, so yeah, I know. Um, no, it's it's also interesting because like it, it it really does bridge this gap, and I guess that's why it was a successful game. Uh, it bridges this weird gap between like, okay, we're gonna do this like this like highly metaphorical or like deeply layered position on you know what soviet russia sort of entails or whatever and then it's like oh and also we're just going to include weather control which has yeah. no bearing on anything it's not an allegory or anything it's like it's just kind of a fun technology for the game well yeah well it's sort of i mean there's there's a there's a good you know in in universe reason for that which is that you know at the beginning of the game all the u.s nukes are blown up in their silos um, so the Soviets still have nukes. You can build nukes as the Soviets. Mm-hmm. And in fact, radiation, you know, re- uh, uh, nuclear technology is like a big part of the Soviet arsenal, not just the nukes, but also, um, so you, you can, in, in the multiplayer, you can play as individual nations and the Soviet nations to choose from are Russia, which has a Tesla tank, which makes a, a ton of sense. Uh, yeah, I'm no, sure. Of course. But uh, <laughs> I get uh, it, man. Like, but the but the more interesting ones are the ones other than Russia. Um, you have Libya, which has a kind of suicide truck, a nuclear suicide truck. Um, and uh, oh, I mean, I mean, 
that sort of developed out of Iranian uh, mine clearing stuff, and it's 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 sort of a that, that's sort of a, a whole subject in and of itself, which I won't really go into. But what's really interesting uh, as well is. Uh, the the Cubans that they gave terrorists who were suicide terrorists, which doesn't make any sense. Um, not like, for Cuba. I, no, not for Cuba. Um, uh, but I think they just wanted you know another suicide unit, and it's like, uh, well, we have to include Cuba because that's like a communist nation, and we don't want to, and we don't want to include China because that would depress our sales. So a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, they just sort of included Cuba, and we're like, uh, whatever, terrorists, fine. Um, but for Iraq. They have a sort of a nuclear trooper who fires like radioactive rays and can uh, make an entire area radioactive for an amount of time. Like the Toxic um, Adventure. Yeah, something like that. And <laughs> and what's 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 fascinating about that is that this it, it shows how closely affiliated. Um, Iraq and nuclear weapons were, you know, all this stuff, the, the, the ground for all of this Iraq has WMDs, you know, um, that, that entire, that entire propaganda campaign had already, already had been, you know, sort of firmly established in yeah. the American mind. Um, I think what's so interesting, point. I think what's so interesting about stuff like that is that like, you know, I know a lot of people read it as if, oh, like, yeah, this is, is it's it's proof that there's some sort of like prevailing ideology that's pushing us towards it. Um, and I'm sure on some level that's true. I mean, it's not like you know the military doesn't do that or whatever. But mm -hmm. it's um, not the not the grunts on the ground, obviously. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean. But I I find it so much more fascinating to think about the ways in which like games like this actually unearth like histories we forgot about, where like yeah. the idea of WMDs in Iraq is something that in my mind just starts in 2003 but of course it's a much longer history that right. just has become subterranean because like it's not part of the narrative anymore right no it, absolutely and that's that's sort of that's that's why i find this such an interesting moment in history because it's before al-qaeda was dangerous and it's you know properly perceived as and and it's yeah. before um you know it's before the iraq war it's before it's before obama i mean you know it, it, it there's there's a lot of um there's a lot there's a lot of uh there, there's a lot of choices in this game that are revealing it from a design perspective um and you know there's a bunch of other things that they choose to do um for example um uh, Oh, this is one thing that's really interesting. Um, the the president is generally depicted as uh, sort of an empty suit. Uh, he he talks a lot but never does anything. Uh, I don't know if like, Lillian Palmer's like the guy who plays Lillian Palmer. I don't know if like he's ever played anything else in anything besides an empty suit. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, he's actually not a bad actor. It's just like no, no, I that's like what him. he's typecast as. Yeah. Um, but like he makes one, some comment in one episode where you're trying to liberate a psychically controlled city. And he said, now don't hurt any of my constituents. And it's <laughs> like, it's like, you know, this, this, this most openly cynical, like really, you know, third way Democrat shit. Um, oh yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he, uh, yeah, he does that. Um, and uh, he also appears as a controllable unit at some times, and you know how when you click on units, they have their own phrases. Yeah, right. Um, his sort of, the initial one you get is, uh, 
he's he's sort of he's sort of through through that sort of interaction, you can tell that he's really cowardly, and he says, "You don't want the vice president running the country, do you?" <laughs> and, and all this other and. So you go through this game, and basically your real your real leader from the Allied perspective is this one general played by um, Barry Corbin, uh, who is basically it's basically Maurice Minifield from uh, Northern Exposure as well. And I think I think that both of those decisions were conscious on the part of the directors because they wanted these touchstones to make the game a little bit more popular and like sure. you know the people you know because. Th- people to, re- to play them and recognize these characters um to a degree um but uh you know he's really your your leader for the course of the game and he eventually gets killed uh in a in a suicide attack um okay. yeah uh and you end the game and the way the game ends is you teleport into moscow and uh capture the kremlin uh, and, and, you know, again, high, high technology, very much like cutting off the head of the snake. Like this is all the light footprint bullshit that, uh, Rumsfeld especially brought into the military. Right. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, what was already developed like in, in the, really in all of, uh, Bill Clinton's wars. Uh, I mean, you know, Somalia is an obvious case and this is all, reaction to uh to vietnam it's all fear of high casualty wars um or even just I'm, like long wars like wars that are well, yeah out. wars that can wars build, of attrition yeah wars that can sort of take on public um public wrath right absolutely um i mean it's so interesting to think about this in the moment like you, you keep saying like 2000 uh, just before 9-11 like it was such an interesting time and it is for a lot of reasons i think one of them is because like and you could see it in it, it you know i lived through the i wasn't able to i wasn't old enough to vote but i was close enough to be able to old enough to be able to vote that i had a consciousness about the election and uh bush gore really was like you know it's framed now because we know about bush and we know more about gore like it's framed as this like ugh, why did the country pick this buffoon and like on some level, yeah, like it was, it was a bad choice. But um, on another level, it really was like a lot of people's response to it was just like this total ennui. Like these people are so boring. There's no difference between them. There's nothing that, you know, Francis Fukuyama was declaring at the end of history. You know, it really felt like there was this sort of ending point. And it's like, well, what will we be after this? Like, yeah. what are we going to be now? Um, and it, obviously 9-11 galvanized that and pointed it in a particular direction um but what i think is really interesting about red alert is that like or red alert 2 is that it like it presents this version of like speculative fiction about your contemporary moment like well what'll mm-hmm. life be like tomorrow could, is like a plausible question there where it's like i don't know like you could we could take any direction as a country what if it's this or what if it's that or what if we focus on like you know what if the soviets are the enemies what would that look like right now or what if like we had science technology. It's just like it's it's a very sort of speculative moment, and the game plays around with that sort of. It sounds like it does. Interesting. It does, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and you know, you, you you say, "What are we going to be?" What's really interesting, um, you know, I talked about how the the, the American position really is the end of history. It's all managerial. It's all just like you know, tending the system um, till the end of time is sort of the idea. Right. Um, and 
at the end of the American campaign, uh, you basically like there's a there's a uh, there's a female character who's basically Lara Croft. She's like <laughs> she 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 can she can blow up any building in in you know she and she can uh, she she kills enemy infantry in one hit and this sort of thing. She has two she has two uh, Colt 1911 pistols. Uh, okay, right. You know it's 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 obviously meant to be Lara Croft sort of. Um, but you know, you you see her in like a, a nice dress, and she like invites you to the 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 president's victory gala or something like that, and you get on a helicopter or something like that. You know, you're you're a silent protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but so there's there's that whole and like the sex appeal overall is pretty understated uh, in the game. <laughs> um, well, that's that's a stark difference from Red Alert Three, where they have where like. None of the female characters have anything but hot pants or a short skirt, and like you know, they all have cleavage, like showing, even though they're military officers for some reason. Well, and it's—I um, mean, it's—I laugh too because that's a stark difference from a lot of FMV games. Uh, yeah, the game—it actually wasn't um, as good as I thought it was going to be. Maybe I'll revisit it, but um, the game Strafe—I don't know if you saw anything about Strafe—came out. It's sort of—it's a little bit like a. I guess it's a little like a first person roguelike. It's it's a mm. little strange. But the okay. whole point about it is it's like it's a throw it's a throwback nineties game, so it has pixel mm. graphics. It looks kinda like like a bad uh N sixty four port in some ways. <laughs> um like yeah, they play around with it, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's, it plays a little better than that. But the first the opening scene is an FMV. Um and it's with this doctor tell like the scientist telling you what you're gonna be going to do because you're going to mine in like off world colonies mm-hmm. or something like that. And She's dressed super skimpily and like it's just like constant undercurrents of sexual tension. And the point, of course, like the joke they're making is that that was every FMV ever Um, Mm. was just Mm. like turn the player on, uh, get them into this game. So it's interesting that it's understated in in Red Alert 2. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would I would say it's pretty understated. I mean, I say that like the 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 Soviet uh comms lieutenant or whatever it wears a pvc bodysuit so like oh. maybe maybe i'm just not into the the things they were trying to titillate me with but um <laughs> but uh, too but, specific uh, big mistake uh, yeah i i don't know i mean it it it, it it it's not that tight though it's it's not you know it's 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 just sort of it's I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem overly sexualized to me. I mean, there is there is obviously that element, but it's not. It's not cranked up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in any case, uh, but but so that's that's the end of the American campaign. Is you go you go to the president's victory ball or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the end of the Soviet campaign is you know through these court politics, you have. I either either Yuri has killed your opponents, or you, well Yuri has killed your opponents, or your 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 hypothetical opponents, um, and then you kill Yuri, mm-hmm. and that leaves you as premier of the Soviet Union, um, <laughs> and and so what's sort of hilarious is within the within the uh, within the uh, value system of the game, the Soviets are actually much more meritocratic. <laughs> right, the, the Americans. Yeah, you get yeah. like a, a token party after you've done all the work. Yeah, exactly. And that's interesting, and it also yeah. rewards you more. Like it's it plays out the power fantasy much more fully. Sure, exactly, and um, 
And also, uh, also one thing they did, which I thought was pretty good, is the the lieutenant I mentioned. Uh, her actress is Polish, uh, and then there's another couple of Russian actors, sort of in the in, who play you know very very short bit parts. Um, but it does it, it 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 is like a nice little touch to have somebody with a genu to have the voice that you hear the most because she communicates with you every time like your base comes under attack or. Mm you know a, you 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 produce a new unit um it's it's good to have an eastern european voice um even though she's not russian she's former soviet bloc or former warsaw pact i should say mm -hmm. um so you know it, they, they 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 paid attention to some of the little things um and another sort of little thing that they did which i thought was very interesting is when you're in the united states playing as the soviets um if you there's there are civilians around, um, and if you leave a unit just standing around and a civilian walks within its firing range, they will kill the civilian. Whoa. Um, and that doesn't happen when you're in like Soviet-controlled territory as the Americans. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean it's you know it's awfully it's, damning. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and it's meant. I mean you know the Soviets are meant to be the bad guys, and that's sort of one of the right. things that's supposed to show them as the bad guys. Um, along with, you know, them using nuclear missiles, which still, you know, you know, have a lot of cultural weight to them. Um, of course. As w but I as like, I like that the game also, but the game undercuts itself there a little bit too, seemingly purposefully, since the American missiles have been exploded in their silos. Like, yeah. You imagine if they weren't, the Americans would have used uh, nuclear missiles too. Oh yeah, no, they, they absolutely would have. Um, and, um... And it's it's I mean you know the 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 weather control device is also you know sort of more insidious than the nuclear missiles because the nuclear missiles are very much hard power you can mm -hmm. you can you can use them to blow people up and that's it really um, but the weather control device you can you know cause famines you because in the game all you use it to do is cause big lightning storms um, makes sense yeah um, which which are very damaging you know these 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 are the two super weapons. Um, but you know, in in a kind of you know, it's it sort of it's 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 ultimately uh, in many ways more powerful, and that's that's sort of funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes it kind of goes back to like the idea or the reasons that you know people are scared of nuclear weapons and and the use of nuclear weapons, but it's become sort of this like underlying everyday fear that people mm -hmm. just kind of deal with. Whereas if you talk to someone who like really believes that HARP is controlling our weather and that mm -hmm. like you know. It, it gets to a fever pitch very quickly um, yeah. because of course the implications of that spiral out of control extremely fast. Yeah. Well, it's because, you know, you can hypothetically use these things constantly, you know, it's, it's, it's to do with the immediacy of the contact and, you know, all this other sort of thing. It's like, um, and again, it's insidiousness, uh, right, but, but right. yeah, it's, it's, abs it's absolutely, it's, it's sort of funny in that way. Um, but yeah, the, the so the, and also, uh, it's it's funny as well. You you get um, you get uh, so the, the the allied the countries that are allied with the U.S. are um, are Britain, uh, Germany, France, and South Korea. Okay. Um, not sure why they chose South Korea precisely, but it's not a bad choice. Yeah, it's um, not the worst. 
No, I mean, it's, you know, it makes sense. Um, and South Korea gives you, like, enhanced Harriers, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this, again, ties into the whole high-technology idea. Um, and, uh, you know... Um, but you see, you see the you see the leaders of the other countries, and the leader of France is supposed to be Charles de Gaulle. I mean, he's a Charles de Gaulle lookalike. <laughs> the leader of Britain is a Margaret Thatcher lookalike. Sure, of course. And um, the leader of Germany, I can't remember what he looks like, and you never see the leader of Korea. Um, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, you, you see, you see a Korean admiral in the Soviet campaign. Uh, hey, but there that's you it. go. <laughs> Soviet, so the Soviet campaign sounds like far and away the mo the more humane, even though it involves killing civilians and stuff. Um, he, uh, I mean, it depends on how you define humane. <laughs> I mean, you know, installing installing like mind control devices in cities in the true, United States. Eh. True, that's not super humane. Well, you know, maybe it is humane, man. Maybe you just maybe you're just not <laughs> opening your mind enough. Well, and so that to to sort of follow on from that, that gets into and and this is where this is where you can really talk about sort of Soviet humanity and the way the the game depicts it. Um, in the in the expansion, uh, the 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 treachery is uncovered much earlier on. Yuri's treachery is uncovered much earlier on, um, and the Soviets. Or no, it's not uncovered earlier on. What happens is the Soviets find this time travel device that the Allies use in the Allied campaign, but the Soviets in the Soviet campaign take it first, um, okay. and use it. And there's sort of a funny line where they they use it and it actually takes them back to the Cretaceous period. Um, and and your lieutenant says, Ah, it appears our, our superior Soviet engineers uh, uh, over or overpowered the machine, or, or increased its efficiency too much, or something like that. <laughs> um, That's really but good. Uh, but basically, you go back and save the premier before he gets killed by Yuri, and okay. the and Yuri is really the main antagonist. And the point of the game uh, is really to uh, to like get the get the bad guys from the or your opponents from the original game on your side, and then fight Yuri. Interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. And that really appeals to me because I grew up on G.I. Joe and like, you know, there were they always fought Cobra, but then there were some missions where it was like the drug lords or whatever. You know, there was that there was this third third <laughs> evil you know, this third power, this 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 other evil that was even worse. Pushing drugs um, is even too evil for Cobra. Exactly. And uh, and so they, you know, so the the good guys and the bad guys team up and you know, as somebody who sort of who who comes from not not an entirely Russian background. I'm really a uh Carpatha Russian, but that's that's another story. Ugh, but you know get off I, my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know, as somebody who always felt a lot of sympathy for Russians, the idea of or, you know, for Russia as a political entity, uh the idea of like, oh America and Russia working together, like that hits me in a in a very nostalgic soft spot. Yeah. Well no it's it, and it's also just very much like a it, I mean, it's a classic thing, right? Like it's it's like Rocky uh, three, where he teams up with Apollo Creed, or like right, exactly. You know, that's like just like it's a classic sort of like sequel, you know, right, right, movie right. We grew right. up on kind of thing where like all right. of a sudden the bad guy that you love is now the good guy. Lando's like that too in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just kind of happens that way. Yeah, um, and they they also again like show off sort of they have a, they have a good grasp on the goofiness they don't do it too much mm -hmm. uh but it's 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 omnipresent uh 
where, like, in the Soviet campaign again, um, you know, I mentioned the, the Hollywood guys in the Allied campaign. In the Soviet campaign, uh, you actually fight on the moon because Yuri has a secret base on the moon. Um, <laughs> and then the last well, mission not? is... Because why not? No, it it rules. Um, and then the last mission, you fight him in his castle in Transylvania. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's a it's a uh, you know they they do a good job with that. Uh, but what I was gonna say, you know, talking about humanity. I mean, when the when the sort of the U.S. gets the gets the Soviets back on side by like having them sign a treaty, and you know it's more or less back to them being a, a not exactly a client state, but like a forced ally. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, right. Um, and, and whereas with with the Soviets, um, you know, the lieutenant informs you, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll offer them the hand of friendship to. You know, the, the, or the the fools, uh, you know, wish to wish to ally with us in order to fight Yuri, and and you know the the implication <laughs> there is that the, the those 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 uh those sneaky uh, Orientals will try and ba- will will backstab the well you know the, yeah, the, sure. the 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 all the whole thing about the the Slav being an being uh, Asiatic and all this other sort of thing. Right. Sure. But um, you know, the 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 sneaky Easterners will will backstab them. Uh, or you know, or will assert their dominance once they once they use them for what they're worth. Uh, but what's funny about that is that uh, the end for the Allies is basically the same uh, as as before, mm-hmm. uh, except that General Carville, uh, who's uh, uh, Barry Corbin's character, he he he's you know you go back in time and he's still alive, so he survives the whole the whole thing. No, oh, um, good. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, Your Yuri's Revenge overall is a, is just a better game, but uh, or it's a better it's it's a good it's a strong improvement over the original, mm-hmm. but uh, which was already a good game, but uh, but the ending is otherwise basically the same. Uh, you you're at the helicopter again. And the Lara Croft surrogate is there, but then um, the uh, your your communications lieutenant, who's also a woman for the Allies, uh, she comes in in a dress and basically sort of upstages her, steals her thunder, um, and that's basically where it ends. Um, Just one up, like you yeah, and, like and, then, and then and then the Lara Croft date. character like says to Einstein, you know, oh, can you can I can you can we talk about that time machine or some you know throw a joke like that yeah whereas right. whereas in the soviet ending um it it talks about um i think i think it's in yuri's revenge where it talks about the wall street closing forever uh but it also talks about um the premier because premier romanov is, is alive as well um mm-hmm. bringing communism outside earth bringing it to the greater to the solar system <laughs> nice so it, it shows space it shows, communism yeah it's space communism it shows it to be a much more uh sort of forward thinking uh or you know a much more uh i guess um well it's uh, expansive like yeah a, it's, yeah there's a way that like the the I don't know. It's interesting again to think about the ways that these things are per- portrayed, and that like yeah. communism is always portrayed as this creeping threat. But in in the case of the game, it's like 
Yeah, and as a result, it will actually like travel and change and become better. Yeah. And well, it's like, it, what, it, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should I be scared by this? Am I yeah. inspired by this? Like, what right? am I supposed to feel? It's extremely ambiguous. Yeah. Um, and and it's also and especially because you know you're still the supreme general, so your 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 personal position is set. Um, but uh, but it's you know it 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 portrays itself. Let me put it this way: it portrays itself as or it portrays communism as a much more ideological, you know, as as an ideology, and mm. it and it accepts the Francis Fukuyama premise of neo neoliberalism as a lack of ideology. Interesting. Um, uh, that's that's what yeah, I think. I guess that would make sense because, of course, like once you have sort of like a a state that you just need to maintain, that's yeah. almost like the absolute definition of a lack of ideology. Well, it, it, I mean, I I would say that 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 maintaining well, maintaining it, a status quo is itself an ideology. Oh well, so would I. I, I mean, in the Fukuyama sense, though. Oh, okay, like, right, right, like, right. The idea is like, <clears throat> yeah, like all that's left to do is just make sure you know. Wake, wake stamp out any fires down. right yeah like it's just it, it runs like a it runs like a factory it runs like a mm -hmm. business where you're like okay like is everything normative yes yeah all right then we're doing well is there an aberrant thing yes then we should go stamp it out exactly yeah and so and and whereas the um communism is portrayed as really utopian um mm -hmm. which you know is 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 accurate uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, I think, I think that's kind of funny. Um, it's very funny. It's, it's such a, it's such a, like an unintentionally or intentionally honest perspective yeah. in, in so many ways without even like deviating from the idea of like the Americans are the good guys, the Soviets are the bad guys. It's fascinating that they could get to sort of like an honest representation, um, within that binary. Yes, exactly. And, and it's, I mean, you know, and even within that you know it's it's i mean you know the fact that again in the original you know there is there is this funnily meritocratic or you know roundabout meritocracy um compared to <laughs> uh oh and that's that's uh, but sorry i i just just rounding back on the ideology thing what's also funny is that the soviet high command is not really is it does not seem that committed to it um <laughs> So at one point, this, char this character who's, who's, who is not really important, but uh, who acts as sort of your, uh, your superior for a lot of the game, um, and who, you know, basically just, like, threatens you not to, you know, he says not to upstage him and this sort of thing. Right, um, sure. But at one point, after, after this big successful mission, um, Yuri and Romanov, who, you know, are, are the highest guys, um, contact him, and he is... In a hot tub with uh, two blonde women in bikinis, uh, <laughs> like like they're they're you know they're playing they're playing uh, keep away with a sponge or something like that. Sure, uh, And he's and he's listening to heavy metal music, which is of course a very like that's a very sort of anti-Soviet thing, you know. In the it seems very American, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's there's it's it's like getting getting heavy metal music in East Germany was this was this sort of cultural touchstone. Um, Mm -hmm. But 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 yeah, it is it is sort of a, a representation of, of of capitalism within this, within that sort of um, understanding. Uh, and then in another mission, uh, there's a bust of Lenin uh, in in the in the premier's office, and he uh, he 
he's dressed in like Stalin's uh, white military uniform, similar to that. Uh-huh. Uh, and he just hangs his hat on the on the bust of <laughs> Lenin. <laughs> Um, That's interesting. It, it ends up being post-ideology in some ways for both yeah, sides. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So they they the 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 Americans talk in much less ideological terms, um, and I think I think that the Russian stuff is really meant to be. Um, it it is meant to be that they that how much do they really believe in it. But it's also um, it's also a critique of the Soviet state because you have you know and and the Russian state because you have oligarchs sort of you know these these people in high positions enjoying these things and it it, it is ultimately sympathetic with with um, you know kind of proletarian or you know it has this idea of meritocracy. Um, yeah, that sort it's of a left critique in line. of oligarchy in a certain way. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, hmm. So, so yeah, it's there's there's a lot you can draw out of these stupid little cutscenes. Um, yeah, and it's fascinating because of course they're the things that people forget. Because yeah. as as a as an RTS, it's a really fun game too. It's like a it's a very accomplished yes. game. But like there are these little cutscenes that people might just skip that are building mm-hmm. out this worldview that just is so so dynamic and interesting. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and and to 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 briefly talk about the RTS side. I mean, you know, it's basic resource mining stuff. Um, but uh, I already mentioned that the that the US units are very high technology and mm-hmm. you know, speed, light armor, all this other sort of stuff. Uh, the Soviet units are the opposite. Uh, they're much slower. Like I said, they have armored zeppelins which are possibly the be- the best unit ever in any kind of real-time strategy <laughs> game. Um, <laughs> uh and, but they also have um, a kind of uh, uh, robot that, and this is this is like the the 50s stuff, which which uh, destroys enemy units from the inside out. Um, yeah, it it like jumps into them. It's sort of spider shaped, and it jumps into them, and then and then it sort of hangs around in there, slowly doing damage to them, and then they blow up. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's and also. There's also mind-controlled squid on the Soviet side, but but this sort Not of again, yeah, but this again goes to uh, the core thing, which is the Soviets. Uh, they have conscripts. They're very much about uh, brute force. Uh, you know, they have the heaviest tanks. They have the you know, and this this sort of this to some degree fits with uh, you. You have you have this uh, myth of how the uh, Soviet military machine fought uh, mainly based on accounts of Wehrmacht soldiers and officers. Um, and so you, you have these like, you have this one Wehrmacht tank ace who I can't remember his name, but he claimed to have killed like 300 Soviet tanks or something like that, which is, which right. is completely impossible. Um, and, you know all these other sorts of things, um, but but this idea of the Soviets as basically as, as of the Soviet Army of the Red Army as this um, steamroller, um, where you know the the matter the lives of the individual shol- soldiers don't matter so much. It just will will wear you down and crush you eventually. Right. Um, which contrasts very strongly with especially especially uh, after once the Soviets started taking the offensive. Uh, 
after after 41 really um they developed they developed a kind of uh, a theory of of um what used to be called grand tactics but they invented their own term which was deep battle uh, or operational art and so just to get a little technical for a second the, the way to think about operational art is strategy is like your political aims um, st so in using the Gulf War as an example uh, the strategy is um, uh, remove the or, or expel the Iraqi army from Kuwait Right. Um, the, the, when tactics is things like um, individual formations, you know, how those are employed and that sort of thing. And grand tactics and operational art, really, grand tactics is an antiquated term. Uh, operational art is is the in-between. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, they're, you know, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Desert Shield. It's, it's, it's things like... Um, you know, the Third Marine Division comes through this way. You're, you're operating at that sort of height, at that sort, at that sort of distance from the from the action. Um, mm -hmm. And the way the Soviets used it in deep battle was, you know, these tremendous uh, encircling movements, coordinating sometimes paratroopers, but usually artillery, aircraft, uh, uh, tanks, and and infantry. Uh, to basically cut off the Germans and capture them in these tremendous formations in, in a way that was bigger than uh, things had previously been, been conceived of. So, you know, the it's it's not true to life in that way. Um, the Soviet the Soviet war machine was much more complex uh, than than the game sort of portrays it. But at the same time, you know, you you do you can adopt more complex tactics while playing as the Soviets. Sure, um, like in any real-time strategy. Yeah. Yeah, and they have they have um, they have basically a Scud missile launcher, a, a, a conventional ballistic missile launcher, uh, which is called the V3. I don't know who made the V1 and V2 if Hitler wasn't <laughs> around, but. Um, <laughs> But you know, so uh, you, you, it, it, it still follows that kind of idea because even though it's slow moving, uh, you can, you know, coordinate the the airships with your with your ground troops and all that sort of thing, uh, and artillery, of course. Um, so hmm. you know, it's it, there's there's this. The, the the aesthetic is pushing you in one direction, but if you're smart about it, you can you can. You sh and you really should use it in a way that's more uh, dynamic. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So that's. I mean, that's it's a fascinatingly really complex game. I think it was it was fun to do a deep dive on an old game like this because, of course, like you think about these games, especially in that period around like 2000, and it's not like you don't have that old complexity of the of like the the classic game, but you also don't have the new complexity of like the, the you know the the ambitious game. You just mm -hmm. assume they kind of fall into this like whatever. Pile, but there's something really, really like smart and ambitious about this piece. Well, well, let let me just say before before you praise it too much that I I played it online back when that was still around, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was extremely terrible at it. Uh -huh. uh, I think part of that is just my 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 click speed is not fast enough. But um, but I was that. getting I was getting overwhelmed by swarms. Uh, so I think I think the actual in practice, you know, y you can create the narrative by how you play against the computer. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't really do that against uh, a live a live Human. opponent. Yeah, I guess um, that's that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Alex, this was really fun. I I actually really enjoyed talking about this game. I, I had no idea what to expect because, like I said, I never really played it. But it was it it sounds like such a cool um, 
it's such a cool thing. Like, and I, I liked seeing it through your eyes. Actually, I'm glad I, I didn't play it ahead of time. <laughs> oh, thanks. I mean, it's a neat, it's a neat little slice of history, and it's still a really fun game. Like I said, even though I'm not very good at it, um, I, I think, I think if you you know, you were talking uh, on one of your previous episodes about about strategy games, and you do build your own narrative within a sort of thing. And um, so, even if even if it's not perfectly optimized, there's so much there's so much variety and so many little uh, little little sort of ways you can play with it. I I'd highly recommend it to anyone. Hmm. Uh, it's not available online, as far as I know, except in like a pack. With yeah. other other Westwood games, sure. uh, they'd have to you know CD-ROM. So if you don't have a CD-ROM drive, you're fucked. But um, <laughs> everyone has those, right? <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, right. Um, otherwise, um, they won't play the game. No, they won't. But you could always watch the videos. Indeed, uh, I'm yeah. sure they're on YouTube. Yeah, all the cutscene videos are on YouTube from all three of the Red Alert games. Um, cool. And the third one has Tim Curry and is horrible. None of the actors are having fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tim Curry is. Oh, uh, no, no yeah, he's yeah. not. It's 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 actually it's just sad. Um, oh. Another reason you should never play Red Alert Three. <laughs> well, all right, man. Well, thank you. Uh, anything you want to add or anything you want to plug? Um. Uh, I mean, uh, you I I could plug my book. It's it's yeah. It, I co-edited I co-edited it with Paul Westermeyer uh, for the Marine Corps History Division. Uh, it's available free online as a PDF. Uh, and its name is, uh, Desert Voices. Uh, great. So, yep. I, I did one interview in there. Uh, I was mostly editing. Uh, but I think, I think it's pretty high quality. Great. Yeah. I'll check it out. Thank you. All right. We'll come back soon. I will. All right. Talk to you later.